Health is everything. Health is everything. La salud lo es todo. La santé est tout. Health is everything. Health is everything. Hi, I'm Eleanor Barrett, age 8, and you're listening to Health is Everything, No Kidding, a podcast from the Emory University Center for the Study of Human Health. When my mom was 8, she had a radio show called No Kidding, a talk show where she interviewed doctors about health issues that matter to kids. So now I'm 8, and it's my turn, and there's a lot to talk about. Health is Everything I get worried sometimes, don't you? There's a global pandemic, and there's a lot of homework, and there's a lot of scary characters in books and movies coming alive in my head sometimes. Yikes. Yes, even kids have worries and anxieties. When the grown-ups in in our life seem worried all the time, it gets even worse for us. I'm a pretty brave kid. I do a lot of things that scare me at first, and then I'm proud of myself. Fears are normal, my mom tells me. But worries and anxieties? What are they for? Why does our brain worry about stuff that might or might not happen in the future? And what can we as kids do to stay mentally healthy, even when everyone around us seems to be freaking out? Today I'm joined by Dr. Rakesh Jain, a psychiatrist and researcher. Dr. Jain grew up in India, trained here in the United States, and now helps patients around the world. He works with children and adults, and I'm excited to have him join the show and help all of us with these anxious times. Thanks for talking with me, Dr. Jane. I am happy to join you, Eleanor. Thank you for inviting me. Worries are kind of weird. Why does my brain have worries? Like, why do I think that monsters are going to come into my room overnight or that I'm going to do really badly in school? Do all kids have worries like this? Yes, Eleanor, having worries is indeed part of life. I got to first tell you this. The question you asked about are worries normal is so important. Let's talk about that and then we'll talk about the other things that you just mentioned. So yes, worries are perfectly normal. In fact, you know, I am a lot older than you and I have never, ever, ever met any human being who doesn't have worries. Don't we all have worries? We do, Eleanor, we do. Uh, So the difference between good worry and bad worry is this. Good worry is not a whole lot, and it's there to help you do things better. So if I'm, for example, worried about, oh, I don't know, being on time for this podcast, and I arrange my schedule to make sure I'm there, that's actually good and healthy worry. It's only when worries are way too much. I'm doing it way too much, and it's, it's making me have problems, other problems with my mental health or my physical health. That's when we think worries are perhaps not healthy, and we should work on reducing them. So you, you are 100% right. Everybody has worries. You being worried about, say, sometimes monsters in the bed, or am I going to submit my homework on time? Yep, I get it. I get it. That is good. The question we should always ask ourselves is, is this worry good for me? Can I control it if I wanted to? Or it's bad for me and I can control it even if I would like to do so. All the adults around me seem to be really worried about the pandemic, school, work, and money. That makes me worried too. I mean, it actually seems like the whole world is worried. What can kids do when adults around them are freaking out? 
they are freaking out on the, you are right this pandemic is once in a lifetime once in a century pandemic so you know what i did i actually talked to my dad about it and my dad is 92 years old and uh, a very wise man uh, he himself went through a pandemic elenor when he was only 9 years old there was a very bad pandemic of plague which is a kind of an inf- bad infection that happened in india when he was growing up and he told me exactly what you are saying that the adults were freaking out and he got worried too and i asked him how did you and your family manage it and you and i could learn a lesson or two from what he said he said worries particularly when they're this bad are understandable in adults because they are responsible obviously for themselves but their family members and their children so elnor why don't we do this let's think about today so yes people are very worried about this covid pandemic but i would recommend you do this as a kid i think you ought to turn to the adults in your life your mom and other adults that you trust and trust that the worrying they are doing is designed to protect you and protect them and that it's okay for you to be a little affected by it but you may want to transfer the responsibility give them the responsibility for your safe keeping that as much as you can do really does help you perhaps not worry so much not be scared even when the adults seem to be as you said freaking out because by doing that kind of worry those adults are trying to make your lives and their lives and other people's lives better are there benefits to anxiety like why did we evolve to be worried and scared of things yes there are benefits to worrying in fact i will tell you this people who don't worry kids or adults get into a lot of trouble so for example if i wasn't worried at all and i was trying to cross the street why would i look both ways i might just dart into traffic you know i'm not worried about it and that of course is not the right way to go about doing things so that became a healthy worry right it's not so easy to tell worries hey go away transfer away But what you can do what you can do is do what it seems like you're doing with your mom which is to have open conversation about it worries don't like it when you tell others you have worries they want to they want to be private in your head they want to stick in your mind and to grow and to cause you more misery every time you share it with someone you really love and trust like you do with your mom those worries even if they don't go away they become less sticky they become less powerful so you continue doing that i would also want to tell you this elenor there's a few other techniques uh that you can use to reduce your worrying may i tell you about those sure okay so um There's a couple of things that work very well for me as well as the people that I take care of and you're right when you when you introduced me you said I take care of very young kids kids your age and older and what I have seen is 
when we, we teach people and people understand that the way to look at it is not to say, I am worried. That is perhaps not as useful as saying, I'm okay. It's just that I am going through a worry attack or a thought attack. Okay? Because they come at you and they want to grab you and grab all your attention and make you feel kind of bad. So if you're under attack, suppose, I don't know, you're going for a walk and a chihuahua is loose in the yard and it comes yapping at you. Well, there's so many things we can do to make sure that it doesn't bother us. One of them often is to seek someone's comfort to protect you. So there's your mom. Mom, I'm very worried about, I don't know, whatever it might be. Can we talk about that? Uh, The other thing you could do is face the worry. That also often works. So for example, you said, I am sometimes worried about things. I think I'll use an example. I am worried about going to the mall. I'm not talking about now during these pandemic times, but say at other times. One of the ways you can overcome that worry is by allowing yourself not to go to the mall, but perhaps ask your mom to drive you to the mall and bring you back. And then then kind of finding out how much does that make me anxious? Going to the mall just for a minute and then coming right out. And this kind of practicing, Eleanor, these are behavioral skills, very often and powerfully reduce worry. And I'm going to give you the best trick I have learned, Eleanor, which is to create a worry hour in the day. So, you know, right now, let's just say it's four o'clock in the afternoon and here comes a worry. Well, if you have decided before that I am allowed to worry, but I have a worry hour and that only happens one hour a day, you might say, I will worry from seven to eight in the evening. Then what you can do when the worry comes, you say to the worry, I respect you. You're there in my brain for a reason, but I'm just going to talk about it, think about it at seven in the evening. So not ignoring you, but we will think about it later in the day. This, Eleanor, is called setting the worry hour. And putting all that worry in that hour then gives you much more freedom the rest of the day not to have to kind of engage in the worry pattern back and forth. And something wild happens, Eleanor, when you have this worry hour and you get to it, surprisingly, what seemed like such a big worry at four in the afternoon, by seven o'clock, It's not so big a worry. I don't know if you ever tried creating a worry hour in your daily schedule, Eleanor, but I sure would recommend that to someone who's as bright as you are and someone who's as interested in finding ways to control your worrying. Okay, so what physically happens in your body when you are anxious? What happens in your brain? Yeah, we can talk about both of those things. So, you know, we like to often say anxiety lives only in your mind, but that is not true. Anxiety very much lives in the brain and the body. So what happens in the body? Almost always when people get anxious, they have their heart beat a little bit faster. They might even kind of feel like they're short of breath. And very often they feel shaky. But in kids, 
kids your age, sometimes they don't notice that, but they will notice things like stomach aches. They will see things like headaches. They will see things like wanting to cry. Uh, they will see things that on the surface, Eleanor, doesn't seem like it's anxiety, but it can be. So the body pays a price when we're anxious. And that's why the conversation we're having right now about understanding anxiety better, controlling it, mastering it, learning to live with it is so important. So I'll tell you what I have, and maybe you can share with me when you get anxious. When I get anxious and I haven't been able to get on top of it, Eleanor, I think that the things I've noticed in myself are, yeah, my chest, I can feel my heart beat faster and uh, my mouth gets dry and my stomach can hurt. What about you? When you get anxious, does your body give you a signal? I just shake a lot. Mm-hmm. So when that happens, I would say, do this because you may not even be aware you are anxious in the mind and your body's giving you a signal. Hey, Eleanor, watch out. I'm anxious. If you feel that shaky feeling, and I know exactly what you're talking about, I've had that too. When you feel that shaky feeling, come on, ask yourself, was I even aware I was anxious? Maybe you were, maybe you were not. And then you can say, hey, anxious is a feeling. Anxiety is a feeling. What kind of thought led to that feeling? So the thought may be whatever. So for example, I'll just use an example because that works for me. I start shaking and I'm like, hmm, didn't even know I was anxious. What was I thinking about? Oh, I was thinking about how much my mom's worried about uh, the COVID and how are things going to be with the family? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even fully realize that I was, my mind was worrying. Now, then you want to kick in Eleanor into an action plan. And the action plan is, the first thing always is never put yourself down for being anxious. Never. Because being anxious is not a sign of weakness. It's actually perhaps a sign of being a very caring person. In many ways, a wonderful human being who cares. So never put yourself down. That's step one. Step two is to realize what is in my toolbox to solve this problem. And as you get older, Eleanor, you will start putting more and more tools into it. I will say this though, you already clearly are on your way towards having a very big toolbox because you're acknowledging anxiety happens. You're acknowledging and noticing that your body gives you signals. You have actually created a very good partnership with your mom. Good job. I would also now recommend you create a few more tools, uh, put a few more tools in your, in your tool chest. I would recommend you think about the worry hour. And I also recommend this finally, think about anxiety as an emotion. Emotions follow thoughts, not the other way around. So we get thoughts. Thoughts lead to emotions. So if your emotions are there and you don't like them, track, trace it back, which thought happened and examine it. And perhaps with the help of your mom and others, see if you can work with those thoughts to make them less anxiety causing. Are you with me, Eleanor, so far? Yeah. 
And I will tell you one final thing on this topic. Practice makes perfect. Eleanor, I'm almost 60 years old. And I'll tell you this, I work every single day, and I'm glad to, but I work every single day on finding ways, new ways, or practicing my old skills and old things or previous things I've learned to control my anxiety. Because when I control my anxiety to a good level, life is so good. Some people see a doctor about anxiety. Other people take medicine for anxiety. When would a kid know it's time to get help for anxiety? Mm-hmm. So you're right. And I have and I continue to help people with anxiety with lots of things. Uh, what we're doing now, education, awareness, knowledge, that really does help, Eleanor. It really does. And the second thing is what's called psychotherapy, where you see a counselor who's a professional who's trained in helping kids and their family members learn how to even better cope with the anxiety. But sometimes you are completely right. Medications can be added. Medications are never, ever, ever the first thing we think about or the only thing we think about. So where do we think about medications? Uh, so I, as a physician, will think about medications and offer it to my patients and their family members when the suffering is so significant, so large, that they are not able to work in therapy because the anxiety is so bad. But I gotta tell you, in most situations, in mo at most times, medications are not needed. Most times, doing what we're doing now, talking about it, learning more about it, coming up with skills, practicing them, keeping the skills that you like, throwing away the skills that didn't work for you, makes you a very effective anxiety-fighting person. And the goal never is to get rid of all anxieties. Life would not go very well if we were not anxious at all. Our goal should be different. Our goal should be to find a way to get the anxiety to be a friend, to help us, not to harm us. So we do think about medications, Eleanor, but uh, it is not what we in the medical profession would call first line or the only treatment. How did you decide that you wanted to be a child psychiatrist? What advice do you have for kids out there who might want to go into the mental health field themselves? I hope... Many, many, many kids want to do that. Uh, so how did I become a child psychiatrist? I had, first of all, no plans on doing that at all when I went to medical school, at all. I actually, you may find this funny. Initially, I was interested in becoming uh, a cancer doctor, a radiation oncologist. Cool. <laughs> and I actually did that for a while. I did that. I actually got training in, in that, you know, in, in my profession, we call that residency training. I enjoyed it, but I felt a calling for something else. And the calling was mental health. But I'm more interested or as interested in mental illness as I'm in mental wellness. So, Eleanor, I became a psychiatrist 
Then I was looking around with all the things I had done as to what I enjoyed the most. And I truly, truly, truly enjoyed working with kids like yourself. And here's why I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it because kids are way smarter than sometimes I think adults fully understand or appreciate. And they also can be very hardworking when you give them direction or give them advice on what to do. And they can take that and use it for 50 years, 60 years, 70 years, 80 years. And Eleanor, this is my 32nd year being a psychiatrist. And I will tell you this, every single day, I like being a psychiatrist more and more and more. And I think the main reason is I get to talk with and meet people as cool as you are and who are as interested in you are in improving your mental well-being. If you had one last bit of advice trying to stay mentally healthy in these uncertain times, what would it be? I would like for you to focus. You know, the mind always wants to focus on something. Focus on your mental well-being. And the way to do that is to remember life is about joy and connection and love and support. That's what life is about, receiving those things from others, but also giving it. And never blame yourself if you're having a hard day or a difficult hour. The best thing to do is to let that wash over you, brush it off, get up and carry on. But definitely ask, definitely ask your parents your support system, your friends, and whoever else is around you to walk with you as we go through these difficult times. Because just like my father said, because he went through a pandemic at nine years old, he actually feels strong. So Elnor, that may be one thing to have as a goal. We don't just wanna deal with this pandemic. I think what we ought to do is both deal with this pandemic, but also make it a, make it, make it a commitment. I'm going to come out of this stronger, learning things about me that I didn't even know, that I'm actually tougher than I realized. I'm more connected to my family than I realized. I'm a good person. And Elnor, that will stay with you for a whole lifetime, like it stayed with me stayed with my dad and with me. And remember, he went through it when he was nine years old and he's 92. I'm nine. You're also nine. Oh my goodness. I did not realize that. So uh, that's such a coincidence. So let's just do this, Eleanor. The fact that you are nine and going through a pandemic and my dad was nine when he went through a pandemic, let's then not forget that pandemics, while they are awful things, they're awful things, Eleanor, they don't have to be only awful things. They can also be growth opportunities, emotional growth opportunities. And I would encourage you to talk about this with your family members. What is it that I can learn from this about myself that is actually very positive, that I wasn't even aware of, so that I never forget it for the rest of my life so I can deal with any other things that pop up in my life with the same skill and the same courage that I'm showing today. 
Thank you so much, Dr. Jane. I feel calmer just talking to you, and I hope all the other kids and adults have learned something from your great advice, too. Thank you, Eleanor. I did truly enjoy talking with you. So best wishes to you and best wishes to all your friends and colleagues. Health is everything. Health is everything. La salute lo es todo. La santé est tout. Health is everything. Health is everything. Thank you for listening to Health is Everything, No Kidding. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to subscribe, share it with a friend, or rate it on Apple Podcasts. You can visit us at exploringhealth.org and follow the Emory University Center for the Study of Human Health at EmoryCSHH on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Until next time!